353rd. I'm Anders Brownworth. And I'm Scott Barstow. Scott, we're talking about drones today. This is, uh, if you've been listening to our show for any length of time, you'll know that anytime something interesting happens in drones, uh, we always talk about it. Why is that? I, you know, I think it goes back to that, uh, that fateful day at a, out in the, in the middle of Boston when we decided that we were going to do something in drones. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, and it's just been this, uh, it's been fun to watch all of this stuff happen. And yeah, it's just a, how could you not get excited about the drone industry? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, here is a uh, brand new capability, essentially, that has been, you know, just appeared because of basically because of MEMS and because of, you know, very low cost computers. Uh, and, you know, this the, just combining it all together in into something that would be almost pretty much impossible to fly back in the 90s when you had a remote control helicopter uh, to something that basically can fly itself. Um, so yeah, so we, yeah, we saw, I don't, uh, we saw this, uh, there was an article in the New York Times yesterday yeah. about uh, the, um, about how Greenland is melting. Yeah. And uh, one of the most compelling parts of the article was they did, the, these had this amazing drone footage. Oh, my word, Where they yes. flew right over these new rivers that are being formed uh, in Greenland as the ice cap is melting. And it's just unbelievable. And yes, you could have, and we talked about this a few shows yeah. ago, you could have done it with a helicopter for sure. Sure. But there's something about it that's, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but anytime you see footage like that, that shot with a drone, there's something about it that just, I don't know, it's magical. It is. So, so what they're doing is they're using uh, gimbals, like, a, like a, they have a camera on a, a little stabilizer, uh, and then they're flying the ship, which can tilt in any crazy direction necessary to get the shot. And they are, they are very likely setting a path and letting the computer fly it. Yeah. So it's very, very smooth. And, uh, you know, just it kind of cuts corners really nicely. And, um, you know, so so that's maybe, let's argue, that's similar to what you could do with a big helicopter. But what they could have done is continue down the river until it goes down into that sinkhole. And they could have had the camera, if it worked, I don't think visually it would have worked, but they could have had the camera go down inside the ice, not something yep. you're going to do with a real helicopter. Yep. So I think the possibilities are far higher. It is far cheaper. It is radically cheaper, many orders yeah. of magnitude cheaper. And, you know, there because it's cheaper, who cares if you lose the thing? And you can just try things that you would just never try. That's right. Um, so that's yeah. the that's the the key. So this got us thinking. Uh, we really do need to do another show about drones, and yeah. and here is why. November twentieth, a red letter date now, <laughs> as it turns out, the FAA, which is of course the uh, the the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States that 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 uh, controls things that fly in general. Uh, is putting out a set of guidelines by November. They're essentially creating a task force to develop recommendations by November 20th of this year, 2015, uh, that will govern uh, essentially autonomous quadcopters and uh, and uh, everything that's um, 
been previously, you know, you'd go to the store, you'd buy one of these things and you'd, you'd fly it through the, the, just the stupidest place in the world. And uh, a lot of people get upset. Well, now there's a, there's a reason uh, you know, now there's a, a group that's going to uh, put some reasonable guidelines uh, into place. Which, we hope it's reasonable anyway. Well, we hope it's reasonable. That's a good way to say it. But the, but um, one of the things that that does is it f- is going to be forcing commercial uh, operation of drones to be registered. Uh, of yeah, course. so let's yeah let's talk about why we, yeah. how we got to here and why the FAA is stepping in. I think everybody thought this this day would come where the government would have to step in. But what are your thoughts on the things that got us to to this point? Why is this now a thing? Why are we now having to think about registration of drones like it's uh, very similar to registration of handguns? Uh, yes. I think it's going to be a lot. Uh, so the issues are certainly the same or have some of the same, um, yeah. you know, characteristics. Uh, so what are your thoughts on what's the, what's the tipping point where the FAA finally said, okay, we got to <laughs> do something. Well, so you, you, for me, I have to look at the videos that have been posted on YouTube. I'm going to blame it all on YouTube. You have to look at the videos on YouTube and say, uh, something, something needs to be done here. Uh, you've got these different, you know, remotely operated vehicles with point of view cameras on them. So basically a GoPro taped to the front, uh, that are doing just these insane things like flying maybe five feet away from the Statue of Liberty. And I mean, the, the footage is gorgeous. It's just insanely good, but you know, you, you, it's not a it's not a big leap to imagine something like that carrying something dangerous that's right um so there's that there's a pure numbers game like how many of these things are there now and it's kind of funny people call them drones like well what what is a drone traditionally that's been like something that the military would autonomously not not autonomously rather would fly remotely and it would kind of autonomously maybe take care of some of the you know, uh, keeping the thing in the air, keeping the thing level, but it would basically be a remotely piloted vehicle. Now, when you say drone, it kind of means a consumer quadcopter. <laughs> yeah, that's Which, funny. It has evolved, and it's even though the I think you and I would say that a drone might be something that goes in the water. It might be something that goes underwater. It might uh-huh. it's they it could be anything that's controlled this way. It's come to mean. Drones have come to mean a quadcopter. Yeah, yeah. For most people. Yeah, and and so so the other thing is, uh, and and I guess I suppose it's true, for a lot of consumer uh, electronic devices like this, they really do fly themselves. Like right. a core thing for me, w- what a drone is is something that flies itself, and then you have these interesting, you know, just convergences of. Uh, a, a large screen with a with a radio capability that'd be an iPad, uh, and then you you know you can go to the store and you can buy a drone that essentially sets up a Wi-Fi access. It's a flying Wi-Fi access point. You connect your iPad to it. Now you have a really great control and a really great heads up kind of point of view display, and um, you know you just have this uh, this sort of ready made system. Whereas before. You'd have to buy, uh, you know, the, the quadcopter device. You have uh, some kind of a radio from Futaba or some company like this. And, and you know, there's a lot more gear. Uh, it was a lot less of a 
just press the button, turn it on, and it kind of comes up into a hover, and then you you tell it where to go, or you know you fly it around outside or whatever, see what your house looks like from uh, fifty feet high, um, and then of course you've got this incredible explosion in in camera technology, where even the the drone that I have, one of the drones that I have doesn't even have a movable camera it doesn't even have like a gimbal all it has is a giant wide field camera and no matter how the the body tilts uh in software they correct it to this nice stable hd video feed uh, coming off of the thing which is is quite impressive right. so it's uncomplicated is a good way to say it um very much, you know, very much more power in terms of computation and uh, uh, what whatnot that you can get in there, and it's just far cheaper. Um, making the the bar just drop and drop and drop, and I think that FAA is reacting to that. They're really realizing that you can get a a very capable, uh, what I'll call a quadcopter, but what most would call a drone, for five hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and I think what's going on is you've got people flying these things over major sporting events into the White House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. over the over the White House. So <clears throat> the question in my mind is not, you know, was not whether or not the government would step. And the question is, and it's the we could go on and on about the about the debate over uh, whether this will whether this will have any effect. But I think the thing I've always found weird, uh, or not weird, but I guess strange about uh, the register. The idea of forcing people to register is that the people who have in mind what you're talking about, which is right, I'm going to fly this thing over a sporting event and I'm going to drop some, you know, dirty bomb or something. You know, yeah. the, kind of the doomsday scenario for yeah. what these could be used for. Those those people are not going to be worried about registering anything, right? And so it's almost like the the people who are using it for, uh, you know, just for the fun of it or whatever, have to pay the penalty for the the absolute worst case scenario that could happen. Right. So it's it feels like a weird thing, but I I on the other hand, I do get you know they need to know if somebody flies it into you know the airport's airspace, um, and you know it falls to the ground somewhere, they need to be able to know where that came from and yeah. all that sort of thing and try and chase somebody down. Because I think what's happening more and more, I was reading uh, in preparing for the show, I was reading that pilots are reporting uh, you know, drones in airport airspace pretty regularly now. Yeah, that's true. And so you've got, you know, that's obviously a pretty severe situation where you've got um, something that should never be in commercial airspace, uh, you know, flying in the airport's airspace. So that's, obviously a problem yeah that's a big deal and and uh you basically the new th you know threats i suppose in that area are are drones for sure and as a helicopter pilot anything of substance that hits your tail will take you out uh generally the the main rotors are are, are you know you can get through very small things but but if something hits a tail rotor you're you're done for you really have to uh take evasive maneuver to to get down safely and not kill somebody uh so that's one thing the other of course is uh is lasers handheld right. lasers are are horrible uh if you're a pilot um in any case uh so what uh what this has shown is like well now here's a uh 
a registry or or something um you know now now as you're a commercial company you have to you know apply for a permit to fly uh autonomous aircraft outside of the line of sight so it's causing interesting things to pop up and notably in the last couple of days we found that walmart is looking at this as well as amazon right what are, what are your thoughts on the the whole uh kind of commercialization of this technology so i think the it's natural it's hard for me to imagine that we're not uh we're probably what five years away from Amazon's vision of being able to fly something to your front door. Maybe it happens sooner, but it feels like just the realities of coordinating that um, and them creating, you know, commercial drone corridors in a city like Boston or a city like Raleigh where it's, uh, you almost have to have traffic control. So if you imagine, just think about how many UPS trucks are on the road delivering <laughs> yeah. Amazon packages at a given time in a given city. Like it's a, that's about all they do. Um, if you look at a UPS truck, the it's packed with stuff from Amazon. And so, yeah, I guess my thought is that uh, the Walmart thing was interesting. I was reading an article in the New York Times, which we'll share uh, share in the show show notes. But they talk about the fact that they may be using them for uh, really different purposes, whether it's flying stuff from uh, a warehouse uh, out to you know one of the trucks or even using drones to do inventory inside of their these massive w- regional warehouses they have yeah. so they've got uh, they've got a number of uh, they've got a number of use cases in mind that are different from the I guess the consumer facing one that Amazon came out with initially. So I think I think the way that this probably goes down uh, is that it's much more likely that they get heavily used in and around either Walmart or Amazon facilities in some meaningful way. Yep. First, and then uh, at some point we'll have to figure out you know how are we gonna how are we going to have traffic control in a city. Uh, because you can't have these things just flying everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably what's getting ready to happen as they start the registration process. It's pretty natural to think that there'll be a way that uh, as a drone is flying, it'll have to have some mechanism on it that sort of self-registers, uh, much like an airline, uh, an aircraft would if it's coming into an area, coming into a city's airspace, they call ahead and, mm-hmm. you know, say that they're on the way or whatever as they're approaching an airport, I think you're going to have to have what is effectively the same kind of signaling for drones that says, you know, this is who I am Mm -hmm. and here's where I, here's my route. Here's where I'm headed. What's the traffic look like, you know, a hundred feet off the ground or whatever, wherever this space is going to be that we create for these things to fly. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be something like that. I mean, you know, because at the end of the day, computers are, of course, are very good at that. So let's talk about what the uh, what the commercial uh, or the or the you know traditional airspace uh, is is comprised of. What what the traditional uh, airplanes flying around have? They have a system called ADSB, and this is if you think about it, it's it's essentially a transponder. So it's able to receive and transmit. 
Uh, it receives GPS information from the GPS satellites flying around the world. Uh, so it's able to locate where it is. And then it's also able to receive transmissions from other ADSB devices uh, on other aircraft that broadcast who they are and where they are and, and critical pieces of information. Like I'm going in this direction at this speed and I'm at this altitude, that kind of thing. Uh, and then what it does is it, uh, it generally, it makes available a collision avoidance system um, that, uh, you know, that's kind of just flying along with you. There's a large ground support, uh, piece to it. So like, for example, if you're on the ground in your helicopter and you, you're going to take off and fly, I don't know, over the city of Boston, there's only so many aircraft that you can hear ADSB from, uh, you'll hear more as you get up and going, get, get a little bit higher. Uh, but there's also ground support uh, that can copy the information from other ADSB aircraft that are outside of your field of view to you. Uh, so you get in the helicopter, you turn this thing on, and you hang out for a little bit, and it starts to get a picture. You just see aircraft popping up essentially on a map. Um, and each one is at different heights and you can kind of see the relative height difference and the speed and the, and how long it would take for them to get to you if they kept flying in this direction, this kind of thing, uh, which is, which is super helpful if you're a pilot. However, in the autonomously controlled world, you would imagine that maybe it's a similar, similar to that, maybe it's a system similar to that, or maybe it's a, uh, a completely new thing, but it should be all computer controlled because it's kind of funny to get on the radio and ask a guy in the tower at Boston Logan whether or not you can enter the pattern. That's right. You know why? Why wouldn't why wouldn't your why wouldn't a computer which probably knows where you're going? I mean, the flight computer probably uh, has your your destination of uh, BOS in there. So why can't it basically say? Look, I'm going to land here, uh, so slot me in when you can get me there. And then uh, you could get, you know, the net result would be a far tighter packed uh, air traffic system around control, you know, kind of choke points. Um, one of the, or the um, busiest airport system in the world is New York. And I've learned to fly in New York. And so... When you enter, it's the, the three airports, uh, JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark. When you enter that area, there's like this, uh, uh, you know, New York traffic control. It's basically approach control. Before you enter, now I fly helicopter, which means I'm, I'm pretty low down, so I don't really have to call it until I get pretty close. But you, you, you call this system that m controls those three airports all together, and you get slotted into a certain, you know, route and then you fly that route and you have to pretty much stick to the plan. You could ask for a, for an alteration, but it would be, you know, pretty non-standard and you'd have to have a good reason. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not like a, it's not like a, like, it's not free for all for sure. Um, I can imagine, and I always look flying through the system and I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, for example, you come up to LaGuardia and you can get about uh, a mile away from the tower in LaGuardia, if you can believe it. If you're a helicopter and flying low enough and going through a little exclusion, 
you can get about a mile from LaGuardia before you have to ask. Mm. But then you do have to ask, and they they route you. The route I would always fly is basically right over the uh, center of the uh, two runways at LaGuardia, and then to the top of the Throgs Neck Bridge. It's called the Throgs Route. And then um, basically over the other, the next bridge down there, and then you pop down into the East River Exclusion. And as you do this, you look... You know, you look forward and you see, you know, there's probably another helicopter that's kind of like three quarters of the way through. And, you know, you, you line, they line up, especially at night. You fly and you see like these dots and you're you're just one in a train and you're all kind of going to this thing. It does, doesn't always happen that way. You know, it's not always a lot of traffic, but it gives you the idea that, you know, you can also see this when you go to the airport and you look at all the airplanes, especially at night, that are flying in they're coming in on this long conveyor belt and you sit there thinking well why couldn't they be packed a little more tightly or why do they always enter from the left right. why do they never come in one guy comes in from the right another guy comes from the left because they can't do that it's just beyond uh you know the error is beyond a human's uh, ability to kind of pack them in tighter they could probably land faster taking off is a little different if the you have wake turbulence on takeoff, that's a little you know causes you have to you have to have a little bit more space. But coming in, you could definitely get them a lot closer, um, and and probably routing through the the whole air system around the world, you could probably pack things a lot more tightly. Uh, but you don't because humans manage this. It'd be really cool to see a computer manage that. <clears throat> yeah, I think the uh, what's going to be interesting is how. Uh, where they let these things fly. So let's 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 fast forward for a bit yeah. and presume that uh, Walmart is able to do, and Walmart and Amazon are able to do some form of, even if it's not curbside delivery. Let's say that it's you yeah. pull up to uh, you pull up you order something, you pull up to a Walmart store, and this thing flies to your car and you know drops it in the top of your car, drops it in the top in your moonroof. Sure, um, like even that scenario. If you think about something flying over the top of a parking lot, yeah. uh, like even that is fraught with possibility for something to go wrong. Uh-huh. And so just thinking through all of the ways that these things will be able to route and fly around a city, uh, it's almost like I was talking to somebody the other day who was driving down the freeway outside of San Francisco in, the, in their Tesla, and they had the car. The car was driving itself. Yeah. So he was sitting there, you know, texting and chatting with me, yeah. and he's going 75 miles an hour down the freeway, and you know, he said, "Oh well, uh, the uh, you know, the traffic's starting to slow down." And it was his first time driving it in self-driving. Jeez. Mode. And he's, he's texting you at the same. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. Who is so this? It's crazy. That's Henry, of yeah, course. Of course. And so nice. Uh, so anyway, Henry. he's. Uh, <laughs> So he's you know he's talking to me and he's doing some stuff on his phone. He said, "Oh, the traffic's getting getting slower up up ahead. I wonder if the car will slow down." And he's just talking me through. And sure enough, the car starts to slow down yeah. and slows down to the speed of traffic. And he said, "Yeah, I'm riding right up against the Jersey Wall. It's kind of unnerving having this car you know steer itself." Yeah. And but it's not like that. We're starting to see all these things that we've been talking about are starting to happen. Yeah, it's nice. And and so how do you? I'm really curious to to see how the regulations come out and what the recommendations are in this space in particular for how they keep 
how they keep everyone for the, as safe as they can and still allow this technology to proceed. Reasonably safe. Yeah, reasonably whole, safe. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah. you can't prevent everything. There's no way. Just like uh, there are car wrecks every day. Yeah. There will be, you know, things where these things fall out of the sky and they, you know, they land on somebody's head and somebody dies or whatever. Those things are all going to happen as these things get figured out. And yeah. the interesting or not interesting, but it'll be, it will be, uh, it'll be, what will people do when these things start to happen? Will there be this backlash against the technology? Like yeah. there usually is. So yeah, usually sure. you enable something. And then bad things happen, and then people say, "Well, we can't enable, we can't allow that anymore." Yeah, and it's they, you too go much. 180 degrees the other way. Yeah, and then uh, and then reason uh, reason at some point wins out, and you kind of allow you start to get back into you know what's allowed and that sort of thing. So I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine uh, you know any time in the near future that these things are dropping stuff off at your house. I think it's much more interesting. The commercial uses for a company like Walmart, I could definitely see like a a curbside pickup scenario or something like that uh, being their first foray into figuring this out Uh Um, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah. So, so I I don't know if it, it, um, okay, so the, here's the here's the the back end of my answer. So you don't you don't walk into great regulation. It's a it's a marriage between uh, an an industry that realizes that if you you know something's got to be done, you can't just be a free for all forever, uh, and you you uh, you don't want on the same hand you don't want uh, you know just onerous reg- regulation. So what? ends up happening and i'm saying this you know because of course i'm in the virtual currency industry i had this we have the same issue right now uh you want to work with regulators because these these are people that have a a mandate placed on them by society to to get something done uh let's have something reasonable in place so when you know when something is is going to happen we kind of we know who has registered what and where things are there's some order to this uh so you know when bad things happen so the really the right way to do it is as an industry for people to come together and say look uh you know here's here's what is possible and what isn't possible these are the things that uh, you know, would would be reasonable, and these these we think would not be, and it would go back and forth a number of times. And generally, what happens is the first attempt at uh, at regulation is sort of an, an overreach or a misstep of some sort, and then you know they put something out for comment, and then people you know push back, and then it gets you know kind of curtailed in certain areas, and then eventually law comes out of it. And that's the way I see this this FAA thing going. They'll put together a, a group that's going to come up with a bunch of recommendations. Some of them are going to be ridiculous. Others of them are going to be pretty good. And you'll see the industry push back against it. And uh, there's probably a bunch of education that has to happen on both sides. This is not clearly that's right. not just a you know government thing. And and then eventually something reasonable will will emerge. Uh, so I think that's. Uh, that's really the way it's going to go down. Uh, I, I, I cannot imagine that a some kind of a um, 
you know, I, if, if it's either some kind of a centralized database, which it very likely would be from a from a governmental institution, to a a system that you have to play within that respects a set of rules in sort of an autonomous way. Like, don't get like you were saying, don't get more than you know uh, fifty feet away from another little. Uh, device flying around and you can't be you have to be at least a hundred feet away from such and such a structure or a building or whatever unless you're you know below a certain mass size I and mean, there'll be things like that i would think yeah probably going to be pretty complicated you know if i were yeah. to take a guess i don't know what do you think i think that's right i think it will have to be they'll have to there's a lot to this problem um and solving it is not going to be easy i, I was reading something the other day I don't know if you've been following the the Airbnb thing in San Francisco where they had this new PR campaign where they just basically lashed out at the yes. ho- the hotel tax thing in California. Yeah. And one of their targets was the public library system in San Francisco, which is a beneficiary of, yes. of the hotel taxes uh-huh. in the city. And so there's the approach that they're taking, which is basically to declare war on the regulators. Yeah. And you're seeing this with Uber as well, where they basically move into a city and then uh, work with the government after and, and the, and the, all of the incumbent organizations, whether it's the, you know, the cab regulation uh, stuff that's going on in the city. So you have that approach, which is, uh, which I think if you're talking about renting your house, yeah, the stakes for that are pretty low. Yeah. And really all you're really doing is affecting the tax base yeah. uh, in the case of Airbnb and in the case of Uber, you're affecting, you know, a, a taxi cab driver's livelihood. And so their approach has been very much, you know, it's a declaration of war and we'll figure it out once we move in kind of occupy and then, yeah. uh, and then figure out the regulatory parts later. I mm-hmm. think for this, it's going to be much more top down because of all of the things that can go wrong. And yeah. all of the, all of the, I guess you could say Uber has some of those same concerns, just because it's much more of a public safety issue. If you get a bad driver, yeah. you know, they they drive somebody out to a field and bad things start <laughs> yeah. to happen. Like those things are, I think it's much more likely that Uber is a is closer to this. Yeah. But even there, you're not talking about uh, something flying uh, where somebody has no idea what they're doing and they get the thing up you know, a thousand feet in the air and all of a sudden, you know, a news helicopter runs into it and it falls out of the sky and, or they're trying to shoot news footage because, you know, they're, they want to be their own news organization and they, you know, fly it into a news helicopter. Like you could see all of those kind of things starting to happen. And I think the, the computerization of the, of the avoidance system is going to have to be so good. It's going to have, the reason I brought up the Tesla thing is that it's going to have to be something like that. Yeah. It's going to have to be that good yeah. where you can be careening down a highway at you know 80 miles an hour yeah. and the car is smart enough. This is going to have to be, uh, it's what we've talked about with self-driving cars. It's that level of complexity yeah. uh, at least yeah. because uh, a car is running on the ground. Now you've got, you've got essentially have a fin- uh, an infinite, not infinite, but a very high number of possible highways in the sky. Yeah. And so you've got these corridors that are going to have to be tightly regulated. And I can almost see where if you buy a certain class of drone, 
Mm-hmm. It's it's locked to fly between no no higher than this than X yeah yeah mm-hmm. or, and when it's after it's taken off it flies no lower um, unless it's landing mm-hmm. like you could see all of these kind of things starting starting to happen so that you can say I've got this kind of equipment and it's certified to fly at this height yeah and it's got the necessary protections that if something goes wrong it's got a parachute on it or whatever like it knows how to get itself out of the sky if something goes horribly wrong yeah um whereas and i think if you're flying from zero to a hundred feet off the ground uh, yes things can go wrong but it's not going to be nearly as bad it's disastrous right it might fall on a car but it's not going to knock something else out of the sky yeah so right i think it's going to be things like that though i think there'll be classes of uh, classes of these things and different equipment based on what class you are. Uh-huh. Much like there is an air, you know, regular aircraft, you've got yeah. things that you know, you've got planes that can only fly but so high, and then there's you know, you've got jets that can fly thirty five thousand feet. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to, and the airspace is very different. I don't fly if I'm flying a single engine. I'm not. Fl- I'm not worried about. For the most part, I'm not worried about running into you know a commercial aircraft until I get close to the airport. Yeah, yeah. So sure, something yeah, like that. I think that's right. I think that's that's pretty much where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think it's it's fun to see other companies, and this business is just getting insane. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of companies come popping up around this space, and so it's yeah. all, there's all the fun thing about this space. There's always new things happening. Um, and we'll figure out the regulatory stuff as we go. And it might be that there's other countries like Australia where this is already way further ahead. Yeah. Um, where we start to take um, start to take some of our ideas and things from countries who have been more permissive already. Uh-huh. Yeah. And have figured out some of these things. Um, that's my thought. Is that it? Yeah. Probably we probably figure it out by looking at others. And uh, and then doing what's best for here. Yeah, yeah, so. totally agreed. Totally yeah. agreed. Well, we we will post the the links to the Walmart article and uh, the link to the FAA's uh, uh, article on what they're getting ready to do and the timelines. And I think it'll be a great story for us to follow up on as these regulations and the these things come out. It'll be good to circle back and talk about what everything means as it's coming out and i think you're right it's i think the initial shot will be overreaching uh, will will be overreaching yeah. and all of the industry will squawk and uh you know influence will change hands and then uh the things will will regulate themselves at some point yeah yeah i think so well that's it you've uh, squandered yet another perfectly good half hour on 353rd we'll see you next time thanks for listening <laughs>